Hello, amigos y amigas. Welcome to another episode of Hybrid Unlimited. This is me, Steffi Cohen. And Hayden Bo. And today we have the honor of sitting down with Bianca Belair. She is a WWE superstar. Um, today we talk about her athletic background. How many sports did she do? All of them. Yeah, pretty much all of them. Pretty much, pretty much all of them. Uh, how she merged from CrossFit into wrestling, her rise to the top, what were some of the things that she um, did to get there, being a black woman and what that means in terms of representation. And finally, the importance of being authentic and how that plays a role in your confidence. This podcast, as always, is brought to you by Go Strong Equipment. They're still backed up on orders, but I think in the next four weeks or so, they're going to be accepting new orders again. Uh, in the interim, definitely go and follow them on Instagram because that's where they're going to be putting out their announcements for uh, you know when orders are going to be able to go live again. So they're at Go Strong Equipment on Instagram. And if you want to check out their website and see what they offer, they're GoStrongEquipment.com. So um, it's 2020, and uh, we're still at a point where we literally have to hold our phone in the air in certain places to look for that magical spot of, you know, getting more than one bar signal. What's up with that? Dude, I feel like like those old, uh, what were those, Motorola commercials? Mm -hmm. It's like, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? I'm literally <laughs> no, walking through real. a house like that. For real. But what this was a particularly uh, interesting... Podcast to try to navigate because, you know, because of COVID, we're doing the podcast out of our house instead of out of the office, and we just had some landscapers put some some plants in, and I'm about ninety nine percent sure that they accidentally chopped the wire uh, when they were digging that connects our entire house to Wi-Fi. So we tethered this podcast from a cell phone <laughs> to the computer, uh, and we're going to do our best to clean up the audio, but. Bear with us. This We talked about some important topics uh, and we really wanted to share it with you guys. So uh, hang in there if there's a little bit of choppiness. For the most part, I think it's uh, it's okay. You know what would be cool? What? If just Signal worked. Uh, like if Signal was good everywhere, no matter where you are, that would be, I mean, that would be a billion dollar idea. Yeah. I mean, look, if, if you remember that Canadian guy, Hatfield, they yeah. literally sent him into outer space uh -huh. and he was vlogging. On YouTube from there. You can go what, type this. He's a, He sung Rocket Man and played the guitar in outer space. And you're telling me you can't get proper Wi-Fi to cover all areas of my house? <laughs> that's bull, that's bullshit. But that's don't it. you think that, that in space, I mean, you're closer to the satellite? I don't know if that's how it works. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what do I know? <laughs> I'm not an engineer. <laughs> No, because for you, you still have that still has to come go from Earth to a satellite, and then he's still sending back down like, to Earth, and then from Earth back to his 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 look, ship. I mean, I'm not a rocket scientist. Why are you pretending like you know? I don't know. <laughs> But you know what? I just feel you like it's idiot. it's it's more difficult to get to YouTube from a tin can in outer space than it is from. Our home office. Hey, honestly, honestly, yeah, <laughs> let, let's talk something serious right now, okay? If anyone listening knows how to optimize Wi-Fi, but like I'm not talking optimize. I want like I wanna I want my phone to send a message 
when I'm thinking about sending a message. Like my neurons are pretty much connected. connected to my phone. Like that's how fast I want that internet to be. Hey, like the Matrix. If I open Instagram and I and it doesn't load immediately, I close it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I hear that. I have no patience for that. I close it. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, if I'm online shopping and I click checkout and it waits there for more than one second, not buying it. Yeah. Oh, my God. This morning, you had a terrible thing. Don't want to talk about it. Oh, okay, fine. I'll talk I can about fill it. people in. Okay. Well, basically, uh, I don't want to give the, give anybody free advertising, but there was a hype brand that had a drop today and Steffi waited. She had the alarm set. She went on. The drop happened. She loaded everything we wanted up into the cart, and then the Wi-Fi sig- or the internet signal dropped. And literally, as she was trying to fix it, and by the time she had it reloaded, sorry, it, it took me forty-five minutes. Did, was it that long? Yeah. Oh my god! But by the time you you finished, uh, lo- like getting back to the cart, everything was sold. Right. It said, "Don't close this. Don't close this page. Or you'll, you'll, lose, your or you'll lose your spot in line." And I'm like, "Okay." I'm literally sitting looking at my phone for 45 <laughs> minutes, and then when I go to check out, I'm all excited. I'm like, "Hell yeah, I did it!" I check out, and then I see that uh, the amount total it's twenty three dollars, and I'm like, "What the hell is this?" The oh only- yeah, all you got was a pair of socks. All I got was a pair of socks, white socks. <laughs> Brutal. Anyway, so yeah, if anyone listening knows how to make the, this internet just the fastest and can cover every square inch of my entire house, please, honestly, please, I need your help. Yeah, if you give us a recommendation and it works, you automatically win the apparel drop for this month. But, oh, and on that note, always remember, if you're if you listen to the podcast and you want to be entered into the free uh, hybrid apparel care package competition, all you have to do is tag us. Uh, take a screenshot of the podcast while you're listening to it. Tag us, tag Hybrid Unlimited, uh, and hey, and, and hope you win. That's how we're choosing our winners. We we chose two last month. Uh, I don't know how many we're going to choose every month, but that's the only way to find out. All right. Okay. Bye. Relax. Yeah, enjoy. I was going to say bye, but no, stay. <laughs> okay. Enjoy. Good. Just trying to stay safe and healthy. Yeah. <laughs> We just been staying in the house. We've been finding all just different types of ways to stay in the house. We finally got our garage gym to get together. We've been wanting to do for forever, but this kind of forced us to do it. We've been good, just staying in the house, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> did you um? How far into WWE are you right now? Your did you make main roster? Yeah, so right now I, I'm on Brawl now, so I'm not in NXT anymore. So when you came down to the performance center, I was still in NXT. Um, I got called to Raw. I debuted at WrestleMania and then the Raw after WrestleMania. So I've been on Raw since April, just a few months. So that's, I'm just like getting, it's like starting all the way over again. Like reintroducing myself to a brand new audience or a bigger audience. So it's like, I'm just, I just feel like I'm starting all over again. What, um, for our listeners who don't know, what's the difference between Raw and NXT? So now, especially before, uh, before NXT was more so looked at as a developmental brand where you kind of started out, you started like learning and you were, your goal was to eventually get called up to main roster. Now, uh, when I was in NXT, I believe back in September, 
is when we is when they finally went live on the USA Network. So that's when NXT officially became a third brand, like right alongside Raw and SmackDown. So NXT was no longer considered a developmental brand. It was just a third brand on equal levels. Like we were we were on the USA Network just like uh, Monday Night Raw was. So now we have three equal brands. They kind of just market out to, to different audiences. So right now I trans I've transferred over to Raw. Um, I will say because NXT is more fairly new as far as like being on a larger scope that I feel like they're still working like working towards getting across to the larger audience. So me going over to Raw, like I said, now it's like I'm starting over because it's some people who watch Raw who don't necessarily watch NXT. So now I'm having to reintroduce myself to different people so they get to know who I am versus on NXT people already knew who I was. So it's like I'm starting all the way over. Um, and now I'm, I'm in a locker room with, with a whole different set of girls. Uh, I get to wrestle with different girls. Some girls I've never even touched before. So it's just it's just like starting all the way over in a whole other learning experience. Well, yeah, I get it. When um when I was over at the performance center, Kate, I don't think I've I've told you this, but Bianca was like by far the most impressive wrestler I saw. And anyone who I would ask, like, who do you think is gonna be like the next WWE superstar, they all would say Bianca. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Everyone That's cool was, to hear. <laughs> yeah, I mean I think like what one of the things that differentiated you a lot from the other girls was how fast your progress was. You know, if you can uh, allude to that a little bit or talk a little bit about your upbringing or your, your previous athletic background before wrestling and how you made a decision to pursue that career. Yeah. So I think that um, I have a, a different journey than most of the people that are in WWE right now. Like a lot of people actually grew up watching wrestling and this was their dream. Like ever since they were kids, they wanted to be a WWE superstar. Where with me, I didn't really grow up watching wrestling. Um, I didn't really know anything about the business when I first came in. So my background, I started running track around the age of five. I started doing gymnastics and tumbling around six or seven. Um, I did soccer. I did, uh, but I was mostly, I played basketball, but I was mostly uh, a hurdler. So that, that was my sport was track. Like I wanted to be the next Flojo. I wanted to be the next Gail Devers or the next Dominique. Um, but I ran track in college. I was a collegiate All-American hurdler. I uh, finished up at the University of Tennessee. And then after that, I had been running track since I was like five. So I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm burnt out. I need a break. But then I started missing that competitive environment. So I'm like, okay, I, got, I, ha I have to find something else. I can't just... I was trying to go to the gym and like just get on the treadmill. I'm like, okay, this is just too boring for me. Mm -hmm. So I found CrossFit and through CrossFit, I was making my own outfits. I would come out there in like these crazy outfits. So I really progressed very quickly, like six months into CrossFit, I was competing at regionals. And then I, on top of that, like that, that really caught people's attention. Like who is this girl that all of a sudden is just popping up. And not only is she popping up, she's coming out here in tutus and <laughs> this these crazy outfits. And so that caught the attention of Mark Henry, who is a Hall of Famer now in WWE. And he's like, hey, you know, 
there's like there's certain things that you see in someone that you think would be successful as a WWE superstar. Yeah, I think that you have all those attributes. Have you ever thought of being a, a wrestler? And it was weird because that same, like around that same time, I was just like talking to my mom. And I'm like, hey, I think I want to try to be a wrestler. So I went on the website to enter in, like look up, of, like how can you try out and how do you enter in, how do you enter in your information? I just never did it. And so when Mark Curie hit me up, I'm like, okay, this is either like too good to be true or this is, this is just, or this is a perfect fit. So he got me a tryout. Um, he made it like very clear, like all I can do is get you a tryout, but I can't get you hired. I can't get you, make you successful in the business. And so uh, I, I went through two, two tryouts at two tryouts and I finally made it here. So I just think that like all my, athletic background growing up, learning how to be coachable, learning how to adjust and being able to like quickly pick up on things. That was one thing that like was that I played to my advantage was that I was easily, I was very coachable and I was able to pick up on things fairly quickly as far as like the physical part of wrestling. Um, and it's really, it's, it's helped me a lot. Like you said, like I progressed very quickly once I got in. So yeah, that's kind of my story. Can I, I love it. Can we go back to the outfits and CrossFit? What was the point? Yeah. What was the point of that? Like, why did you like dressing up, making your own outfits and going in and like being loud? Well, I've always been super creative ever since I was a kid. Like my mom and my daddy always like pushed me to just be creative um, in whatever aspects. So even in high school, like I used to design all of uh, our track team. I designed our uniforms. I would like design our shirts. I would sew my own clothes in high school and then um kind of like got away from it a little bit and then when I my freshman year in college and I was I actually went to University of South Carolina my freshman year and they were known as the Gamecock Divas so the coach's model there was when you look good you feel good and you perform good so like all the girls before the track meets like we all always got dolled up we always like put on makeup lipstick had our hair done we had bows in our hair like that's So it kind of just carried on. And then when I got into CrossFit, um, I just, I don't know. I just saw the opportunity to like, like, I don't know. I just saw the opportunity to just show my creative side. And I, the first competition was Waterpalooza in Miami. And I wore this pink tutu. And everybody was like, what is this girl doing? <laughs> But that's kind of just, that's how I've always been my whole life. And I'm like, This in CrossFit was this is it CrossFit is this community. Well, when I was in it, it was a community where they really just encouraged you to like love who you were and they like they cheered as hard for the person who came in last as the person that came in first. So like it just made me feel super comfortable with coming out and be like, hey, this is me. Like I feel super comfortable doing it. And I love it because I love using like every aspect of my talent. Like I love using my creative side. I love using my athletic side and all different elements of myself. So it just, it's kind of, it's, it's been there since I was a kid and it's just carried on through college to CrossFit and now into wrestling. Were you ever afraid of uh, people being judgmental? I wasn't really afraid of people being judgmental. Um, I think I just always saw it as like kind of, I really didn't think too much about it. Until but I did get some pushback in CrossFit. It was it was a it was a girl who wrote this issue. It was crazy because when I first got into CrossFit, like I used to 
um, I started watching it and I was like, oh, I like this girl, I like that girl. I look, I look up to this girl. Like they were like the veterans in the business and she was one of the veterans in the business. And she was one that like went on Facebook and was like, to the people, like the girl that's wearing the tutu, if, if you're not lifting this amount of weight or if you're not getting this place in the competition, you shouldn't be doing that. I'm like, oh my God. Oh, no. So <laughs> she, I got a little bit of pushback, but then it's crazy because everybody like had my back and everybody was just like, nah, she can do what she wants to do. So I didn't really too much care about being judged because it's what made me happy. And I just always carry that model for my freshman year. Like when you look good and you feel good, and you perform good. And it made me feel good. And so I feel like it made me perform good. Yeah. Was it tough for you to transition from something like CrossFit where, you know, it it almost feels like a judgment free zone for the most part? You know, they're very accepting of all different personalities. And then you go to WWE where literally all they're doing is like judging your personality, you know, and seeing if you're going to be a good fit. Did you ever find that tough or did you notice it? You paused a little bit at the end. Uh, I said, did, did, did you ever find that difficult to make that transition or did you even notice it? Um, yeah, like it's, it's very different. Like you said, you're, you come into a business where it's all about, you know, your athletic ability, your looks, your personality, and you really have to have like mental toughness because you have to try to figure out, oh, um, have yourself as well as trying to um, market yourself to a broader audience in your constant, like it's in, in criticism is coming from all angles, whether it's your coaches trying to give you constructive criticism to make you better, whether it's from your peers in the locker room who are, you know, criticizing you or criticism on the internet, which is a whole other thing. Like you have to have mental like toughness. You have to have thick skin um, and you have to pick and choose between when you're going to listen to yourself or when you're going to take advice from others. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a thing. It's, it's very different as an athlete for me, the hardest part for me hasn't so much been the criticism. It's been more of, you know, when you're an athlete, you train and you're training for a competition or for a race, you're training for a goal and your hard work is literally, it's, you get a return from your hard work. You know, if you want to get weights, if you want to get faster, you 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 work out more, you eat better, you sleep better, um, you train better. And like for me, say track, when the gun goes off, all those I perform. And then it that shows how hard I worked or how talented I am. Like my hard work paid off. In this business, it's not so much about working hard because you can be the fastest, the strongest, the toughest. You can be the best athlete ever, but if that's not what they need at that particular time, someone else might get an opportunity before you. So it's like it's, it plays mind tricks with you. Of like, okay, well, well, what does it mean to work hard? Like, I'm 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 the hardest worker in the room, but this person just got an opportunity before me. But that's just the way that it is. It just depends on a storyline or what they need at that particular moment. So for me, that was more of that was the hardest thing for me. Not so much the criticism, but trying to change my perspective more so like working hard but also working smart and being patient like it's a lot of patience here so that was the hard that was more the 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 mental challenge for me coming into this business yeah you guys are in such a unique uh spot because you're both athletes and entertainers 
where even in other, you know, combat sports like the UFC, like your popularity helps a little bit. But at the end of the day, if, if those guys are winning fights, they're going to keep getting fights and they're going to get opportunities from it. So it's just an added layer of complexity for you guys because you need to really be the whole package. Even if you're like, yeah. even if you're the best, if people don't like you and you're not popular, you're not going to get any time on TV. So it is, it's tough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's very, it's a very, it's a lot, a lot of things that go into it that like a, a casual fan might not even realize, but it's a lot of, a lot of different elements that go into it. It's very, it's a very complex business. Uh, that's why I said you have to just be mentally for everything that it throws at you. Yeah. And you guys have such a different level of exposure now, even to WWE uh, athletes, you know, back in the day, I feel like, you know, Hulk Hogan, all those guys, you know, you, you only, not only, but I think you felt a lot more of the positive positivity from people. Like, you know, if they were famous, they're famous and they had fans and you could see them in the front row and all that stuff. But now because of social media and people's ability to access you directly, like you get just the, both of the extremes. I think it's just such a, more difficult thing for athletes in general nowadays do you how do you deal with that how do you deal with negativity from people you know who don't like you for no reason other than i don't know yeah that happens a lot like you just have to kind of realize that some there's some people in the world that no matter what you do they're just not going to like you um there's also people who they do want access to you they will say things just to try to get you to respond. But there is a lot of negativity. Um, the way and everybody deals with it differently, the way that I deal with it is I really like to protect my energy. Um, and I don't like giving, if you don't, I, I will give you the same energy that you give me. And I try not, I try not to respond or feedback, like mm-hmm. feed into it. Um, and it sucks because like, especially on Twitter, sometimes it'll be, it might be a hundred positive responses and two negative responses, you know, and it, it just sucks because I feel like a lot of times you, you tend to focus on the negative more so than the positive. And so for me, I just, I don't even really read my mentions a whole lot just because I don't want to give that energy into um, negativity. And also at the same time, that's the way that I kind of stay true to myself. Cause I feel like, some people, if they really read everything about them, like, okay, the people are loving this or the people are hating this, then instead of being true to themselves, they're trying to like please everybody. And then they're just all over the place. So it's like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm sticking to it. And either you're going to like it or you're not. Mm-hmm. And that's the mindset that I've kind of had. And it's been working for me for this long. And so, and it's been keeping me mentally sane. Um, but blocking is my best friend. Like, <laughs> I love blocking people. <laughs> like it's just like, oh, okay, block, 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 and I have no problem doing it. I know some people say, oh, I don't like blocking people because it gives them satisfaction and it makes it lets them know they got to you. It's like, look, I don't care if it makes you sleep better at night. I'm gonna do what makes me sleep better at night, and that's all I care about. Um, but yeah, there's 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 a lot of negativity and criticism that can come from social media. I think it has changed. I feel like even all across the board of all entertainers, whether you're an actor, a musician, an athlete, and before it was all about just your talent, your performance, and that's what everybody focused on. It was I feel like it was a lot more easier to stay focused and be successful because that's all you were focused on was just performing. 
when now you have to think about so many other different things and you have so much criticism and negativity coming towards you. And now you have social media where you're sharing more of your personal life. So now people feel like they know you on a personal level so they can talk to you any type of way. It's just, it's completely changed. And I feel like it does, it's, it's just different now, like from a performer back in the day to now. So I, I agree with that. I love, I love your approach of staying true to yourself. I think, I mean, it's evident, you know, what you see is what you get. And that's one of the things that drew me the most to you when I met you was that you're just real. You know, you are going to wear what you want to wear. You're going to put your hair how you want to put it. You're going to talk how you want to talk. And I love that because a lot of people nowadays are just so fake and so afraid of showing the world who they actually are. You know, and it speaks a lot of your character. And I, and I, I love that. You know, I, I hope that that you get as famous as can be so that you can be a positive role model for for girls who are growing up, because, you know, that's that's what it's about. Strength, confidence, being yourself, you know, and not apologizing for it. Yeah. Thank you. you. I appreciate that. (laughs) Well, she made an interesting point about how she won't even read like her mentions on Twitter or in blocking your best friend. And I think that's actually a really good approach to take. I don't know if you've ever read the book, uh, Chasing Excellence by Ben Bergeron. No, uh, but I love reading. So now I'm going to go check it out. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, so he has a part in the book where he talks about how human beings evolved to uh, really hold on to the negative. And it was actually a survival mechanism. So you're talking about how you'll see all these positive comments and you'll see two negative mm-hmm. ones, you know, and those ones are the ones that you remember and the ones that stand out to you. And the way he describes it in the book is, you know, if you if you have a, an encounter with a saber-toothed tiger, you know, like our primitive, our ancestors, that's a negative experience. And that's something that needs to sort of be like hardwired into us so that we remember that that's a bad experience so that we can protect ourselves. So, we know, the next time we see one of those guys, we're like, oh, yeah, we had a real bad time with the saber-toothed tiger the first time. So, you, you don't, you know, go back to it. And because, you know, that's been built into us for so long, this kind of stuff sticks with us. So, and even I can relate, my exposure is a lot less than Steffi or yourself, but, you know, someone writes a negative comment, you could have a hundred positive ones. You see that one negative one and you're just like, fuck that guy. (laughs) It sticks with you for a long time. So if, uh, you know, if you can just not look at your mentions, you know, they don't, they don't care. You froze up a little bit. Sorry. You go ahead. Go ahead. Huh? You go. Oh, no, I was just saying, uh, that's why I don't like, like, I know some people say that they, like, they, they're they like, I don't care what people say about me. It doesn't bother me. I'm like, maybe that's true, but I don't know if I necessarily believe, 100% believe you because, like, granted, it doesn't make me want to go punch a hole in the wall, but there, there's always this little bit of, like, okay, anyways, and I might go on with my day, but just that little <laughs> bit of just, like, uh, I don't even want to give them that. Like, you, I don't want to give you even that little bit of energy. Uh-huh. But it just sucks because I feel like I do miss out on a lot of the good, positive comments. And so sometimes, like, I'll go and try to like scroll through a little bit, and I'll see some positive, positive ones. But it's just I, you know, you just have to do what protects your energy, which you need saying because like social media is so powerful and it really affects people it can really affect you in a negative way it's, it's crazy that it's, it can be that powerful sometimes for sure yeah you guys almost need like like positivity filters or like hi- hire somebody 
when you like for these people who get thousands of comments who can just like go through they just will read you the good ones and skip the bad ones for you or something like that <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hey, um, yeah. on, the, on the topic of being a role model, um, how do you, do you feel a certain sense of responsibility towards the black community in terms of rep representing black athletes, especially in a sport that where there's, it's not that predominant. It's not that common to see black WWE superstars. I definitely do. And I think that even for, other black people that are right, in in the business or any business of entertainment, whether they want to be role models or not, they are. And they are a representation, whether they want to be or not, regardless if it's representation for another person of color. Like, like I always say, it's hard to be what you can't see. Mm -hmm. And so when another, another little girl that looks like me, when she, she may, ne may have never thought of being a WWE superstar, but if she's watching TV and she sees me now, that thought might cross her mind now. So, and you also represent, it's, it's just you, your, your representation, whether you want to be or not, whether it's to someone that looks like you or someone that doesn't look like you, because, um, you know, most importantly, I, I take that. I know I have a responsibility And I do not take that very lightly. And I'm very proud of being a representation to other people that look like me. Um, and that's why I really, really focus on trying. I want to be as relatable as possible. Um, you know, when I walk into a room, I am a black woman and I have no problem with someone saying she's a black woman as long as you don't treat me differently because I'm a black woman. But I am a black woman. And, you know, I want people to see that. I want, I want people to know that and know that, you know, this is, we can do everything. We're so talented. And I feel like a lot of times they, they were boxed and were put into a box and they think that, you know, um, it's just, I feel like they, people sometimes put us into a box and they only see us one way. So I love WWE because there's such an array of, of black women, especially like we, and we all represent different things and we show that we all have different talents. We all, we all represent different elements of ourselves and it shows that we're all different, but the same at the same time. So I think that it, it's very important. Presentation. Like I said, it's hard to be one, but I, I take it. I, I have that responsibility and I know it and I try to be as relatable as possible Uh, for me, I, my goal is to just, you know, I feel like a lot of times people who I'm trying to figure out the, the, my words to say this, but a lot of times, um, you want role models, like there's role models out there, but sometimes there aren't relatable role models, if that makes sense. Sure. So I just want to be a, re a relatable role model where people say like, Oh, I can see myself in her, mm -hmm. uh, I can relate to that. And if I can see myself in her, then, and she can do it, then I can do it too. Mm -hmm. So yes, I, I know that I hold a huge responsibility and I take that very seriously. Yeah. And what you're saying goes back to being genuine about who you are and being authentic, you know, and not being afraid mm -hmm. of, of putting yourself out there, putting who you really are out there. I've even caught myself a few times, like just being way too superficial you know, and not really, not really letting people know how I feel or 
what actually goes on. You know, I, I try also not to overshare right. because that also is bothersome. Yeah. But there's a fine line between being really superficial and just focusing on the highlight reel of your life and, and not being truthful to, to just the wide array of human, ex, uh, of human experiences or feelings that you might be, you might be having, you know, that, that make you relatable, uh-huh. right? Like, do you struggle with depression? Like, do you struggle with waking up early? Do you struggle with, are you anxious? Do you, are you insecure? Like all of those are ex- human emotions that make you human and that make you relatable. Yes. You know, but we try to cover mm-hmm. them up all the time to, to protect our ego, to not be seen as weak or whatever that might be. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's something to be said about uh, representation, especially in uh, entertainment as well. We were just talking about this with one of our, our recent guests, uh, World's Strongest Gay. This is his handle on Instagram. Uh, he's a he's a strong man. And we were talking just about the uh, LGBTQ plus community and how in TV now... Mm-hmm. You know, at first I, I didn't understand it because you would see, you know, transgender people showing up in roles on, on television shows. And, you know, my initial thought would be like, what, what's the point? Like why, you know, there's no need for, for, you know, for that to be part of the storyline. But then when I thought about it more deeply, I was like, that's actually what represents the world we live in a lot better. You know, it's, 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 those people exist. And if they don't have someone that they can identify with in entertainment, it's like they're watching TV and they feel like an outcast or they feel weird, you know, it's and a totally white TV show with, you know, all straight people is not a representation of, of what the world is like. So I think it's super important that, you know, we're seeing like it's becoming definitely more multicultural, multiracial, uh, you know, all the different sexual orientations are being shown and it's cool that WWE is following suit and kind of doing the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's an important thing. And it's, uh, I feel like especially people of color, like you said, people in LGBTQ community, um, for something that's not considered the norm, uh, you know, it's not, it's not thought about that this is needed and it, it is needed because, mm-hmm. Like you said, that this that's a direct reflection of how, you know, our community and society is. It's not just <clears throat> what's sometimes shown on TV. We need to have a reflection of the dynamics of society and the demographic of society because, you know, some people feel like they're not seen or they're 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 invisible and they're not. And it feels good when you either turn on the TV and you see someone that looks like you and you can relate to them. Or even when you walk into a room where you work and you see other people that look like you, it, it just, it's needed and it's so important. Absolutely. Um, one last question or topic before we let you go. Um, I wanted to definitely touch base on obviously the, the racial unrest that we are experiencing you know, one of the things that I that I set a goal of doing since this movement started, since Black Lives Matter started, was to have more conversations with Black people of color on my podcast or YouTube to, you know, bring light to the situation and the in and the things that you might have experienced from being a black athlete. Jesus, our audio. <laughs> 
Did you catch you all of up, that? You, yeah, you, you broke up just at the end. Yeah. So I just wanted to, to hear your experiences being a black athlete on the spotlight, whether you've experienced racism and of what kind and like what has your experience been and, and what's your stance and how can how can people like us, you know, quote unquote, white privileged people help to the cause and, and learn more, learn more and educate others. Yeah, so when the thing is that I feel like we're at a point now where awareness has been raised and people are taking notice and, you know, they're, they're saying, okay, now I want to learn, I want to help. Um, but with that being said, this has been going on for a very long time. Uh, and, you know, with everything that's happened with George Floyd, it, it really caused, um, a, a shift, especially on social media, you saw it when people really started paying attention, really people really started like, okay, I want to fight alongside you. I want to help. Let's do something about this. But it's been going on for a very, very long time. Um, and all I can say, you know, me and my husband, we, we found ourselves in this space of, okay, we need to take advantage of this because this is when people are now paying attention people are wanting to help. And we have to take advantage of this. So we created a website called the culture connection.org where we're able to share information, people sending information of different ways that you can get involved, uh, different petitions you can sign, uh, different, um, just different ways that you can get involved, whether it's helping people register to vote, calling people, reminding them to vote, signing the petition. Uh, also we have like different sections on there. If you want to, if you want to, or, you know, re-educate yourself, we have a section for books on there about black history, black culture, just an array of information where you can read books. We have a section for documentaries and movies where if you want to go and you want to learn, this is for everyone. Um, we have, what's, we have a section on there, just like keep you up to date kind of with what's going on. And we're asking people to send this information to us because there's so much information out there, but it's a lot of times it's hard to find, especially when it comes to black people and people of color, like black history, what we're taught in schools is not always, it's not enough. It's not always accurate. But there's information out there, and the only way that we can share it is the only way that we can get out there is if we share it with each other. So that's what the website is for. Um, but as far as my experience, it's uh, it's been in pretty much what you would expect. Um, I think that you know, especially being a woman of color, a lot. Some people don't know this, but like being a woman of color or just being a person of color in a workplace, we have to move. We have to move very differently in a workplace. And that's all across the board. It doesn't matter if you're in, in the entertainment industry. It doesn't matter if you have a corporate job. It doesn't matter where. But we typically, I can't speak for all black people. This is just my experience. But we do have to move very differently in the workplace, whether that's the way that we dress, the way that we talk, the way that I wear my hair. Because you, you come into some situations where you might be working alongside someone or you might be working underneath someone who may not have a lot of interaction with people of color or a black person and what they when they see your when they see you and they see you know when I walk in the room I'm black there's I can't hide that and there's some people who already have a preconceived notion of that or they have stereotypes 
ignorance or because they haven't had it down a lot of black people. And so we do like a lot of times have to move very differently. If, you know, people say, oh, you dress so nice. Well, I dress very nice because I feel like I always have to be presentable. I don't have room for error. I feel like I always have to be on my P's and Q's. I, I can't mess up. I'm not going to get a second chance. I can't just be great. I have to be phenomenal. So there's always this extra pressure, regardless if people think that we put it on ourselves, but it's it's there. Like there's always an extra pressure to always be 110% better. Um, I found myself a lot of times, like when I first started getting into the real world um, or getting into the business, finding myself being very grateful just of any opportunity, just being grateful. Oh, I'm so grateful for this opportunity. I'm so grateful. But I, I, I finally got to a point where it's like, okay, I'm grateful, but I'm tired of being just grateful. I'm grateful to have the table, but at this point, proving myself, I deserve to be here. So mm-hmm. it's time for me to shake the table up a little bit. I'm not just going to be the quiet, grateful girl anymore. Like I deserve to be here just like everyone else. And that's when I think magic really starts happening. You really start figuring out who you are. But I think that's the main thing. It's just you have to move. We just have to move very differently in the workplace. And we just don't really a lot of times we feel like we don't have room for error. Um, It's been I've had different experiences. Um, Just even when I first came out of college, just getting into the workplace. It's just a different way that we just have to move. And that's probably the most like broad thing that I can say without talking about it for an hour. Um, but I, I, I like, Ooh, my battery's about to die. Can you see me? Yeah. yeah. Okay. But yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I am happy that we're at a point right now where the word is the race. I see it a lot. Of, like, everybody's coming together and everybody's wanting to learn. Every, it's, it's a good feeling. It's also a little bit of, of a frustration feeling of like, Okay, why did it take this long? But you know what? Whatever, we're here right now. Let's 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 figure this out. Um, but I, I, I'm all about dialogue. Um, I think that like if people that know me or been around me, they know I'm very open about race, and I'm I'm very interested in race relations and how different groups interact with each other. And I talk, I try to talk about it very openly because I feel like it's a subject where people get very uncomfortable about it, or they treat it as if it's like a secret. Um, you know, they say like, oh, the, the, the black girl, like they whisper it. It's like, it's not a dirty word. Like, so when people around me, I'm always like black this and black that and black, black. I want people to feel comfortable and like, let's have this dialogue and let's talk about it because I feel like that's the only way that people can learn. That's the only way that we can get ahead. It's just by starting with it comfortable with black people and like having this dialogue. In, like I'm all for dialogue and I'm into books. I'm into re-educating myself and others. And like, let's read this book. Let's talk about this. Like, what did you get from it? Cause I can learn from you and you can learn from me. And that's, that's when I feel like you start growing a passion for it. Like, I feel like there was a lot of, there was a lot of surface level, like hashtag black lives matter. And that's all that was done. Sure. When the real work is the work that you do in your house, the work that you do in your heart, the work that you do alongside your friends, that's where the real work comes. And I feel like if you really start, educate yourself and talking to people and interacting with people, you become passionate about it. And that's what really pushes you and motivates you to, to, to continue to stay in this fight because it's a very long fight and it's going to be a long fight. Yeah. You said two things that, that really stood out to me that were really interesting. The 
first one is about dialogue, you know, how important it is to just talk about it, normalize the topic and make people feel comfortable when they're talking about it. And within that, I think there's an important point to be made about, you know, being tolerant to people's mistakes. Like if they're, cause this is something that I've experienced, like Look, I'm also, I'm part of three minority groups. I know what it feels like to be discriminated, you know, and I, and I, tr I tiptoe, I tiptoe a lot around this subject because I don't want to feel anyone, make anyone feel bad. But at the same time, sometimes I make mistakes when I'm talking about it. Like I say a word I shouldn't say, or like I come off as insensitive or I come off as I'm comparing or whatever. And the immediate reaction has been like a total backlash, right? So I think that like within this period of educating, understanding and, and having dialogues and conversation, there also needs to be uh, patience and tolerance. Yeah. I, and uh, just to piggyback off of that, I love what, what Bianca said or, or, or just that she, you have a website where you're actually going beyond, like you said, the service level hashtag Black Lives Matter stuff, you know, because I feel like a lot of people, their idea of contributing is actually really just a way to pat themselves on the back and tell themselves they're not a racist. You know, oh, if I call somebody else a racist and that means I'm not one, you know, yeah, so and you stupid. see so much of that and, and not a lot of people doing anything to actually help. So it's super refreshing uh, to hear that you, you have that website. I think that's so awesome where you can actually sign petitions. You know, you can, people can go there and make a difference. I think that's great. Learn share all of that stuff so i think that's really really cool and uh what's the website again well, it's called the culture connection.org um yeah we just yeah, we'll link it in at the notes. same time um you know just very complex it's a, it's a very complex thing um it's not complex in the sense of saying like we want equal rights and stop killing us that's not complex what i'm saying is it's complex in a sense of um, at the same time, like I want to make people feel comfortable to talk about it, but really looking within yourself and learning, it's going to be uncomfortable and you have to be okay with being uncomfortable. And at the same time, like um, it's not, I feel like sometimes people are like they, it's a balance between using someone as a resource and then solely depending on them. Like it's not our responsibility to make others feel comfortable. It's not our responsibility to educate others. Like all, like I, I want people to feel comfortable to talk about dialogue. So I'm, I'm here for that. Um, and I can, you know, I can tell you books and I can do this, but I can't make you read the book. I can't make someone else. It makes someone else want to kick. And I, I do with, um, like I'm all for, teaching moments. Like I, I want there to be teaching moments. Um, I want, as long as someone's invested and they're trying and they're trying to learn, yes, people are going to mess up and there's teaching moments. It's just, I feel like everybody has to take account, accountability for themselves and be okay with being uncomfortable sometimes. And that's the only way that, that, that we're going to get ahead and get progress. Yeah. I think that's really well said. Yeah. I love that. Awesome. Bianca, I don't want to take too much of your time. Um, I really appreciate you being here and taking some time out of your busy day to have a conversation with us. Um, no problem. It was fun. <laughs> is there anywhere people can find you other than the website that we're going to link your Instagram, maybe, or YouTube? 
So Instagram and Twitter, you can find me at Bianca Belair, WWE. And you can also find the link to the culture connection out in my bio on both of those. Excellent. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. And, uh, I hope to see you soon. Maybe when this pandemic is over, you can come down and train with us. Oh, yeah, I would love to. I'm, <laughs> I, man, I would love to do that. I'm just ready for all this to be over with. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much, Bianca. All right. See ya. A screenshot? Yeah. Okay, hold on. How do I do it? Uh, Control, shift, sl- smile. <laughs> okay, oh, wait. Do another one. Okay, ready? One, two. Awesome. <laughs> Awesome. Thank All right. You. Thank you so much.